Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. Alright, hey, I'm Vince. Uh, glad you're here. I'm going to tell you something real quick so that you're not distracted the entire time. Uh, last week I was wrestling with my sons, and Asher's head went up against my mouth, and I kind of bit through my tongue a little bit, so if it sounds like I'm drunk or something, I'm not. Um, And the reason I tell you that is because the passage we're going to read through today, uh, I have to say the word precious, and I don't want you to think I'm sounding like Gollum um, (laughs) as I do that. So uh, that's what's going on with my mouth. So if it seems like if drool's hanging, tell me, and I'll just kind of wipe it off and keep going. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter. If you have a Bible, turn there. Uh, There should be some in front of you if you don't, if you don't, if you didn't bring one or don't have a device that has one on there. If you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to take that one home with you. Uh, if you don't own a Bible in that version and you're interested in, in learning more from God's Word in the version that we use on Sunday mornings, take one with you. We'd love for you to have one. Um, so that would be yours. First Peter chapter 2 is what we're in. We've been working through the, the letter um, that Peter wrote, the, his first letter. Who remembers, I'm going to start with this, who remembers that experience on on the playground, that, that kickball experience of choosing teams. Does anybody remember that, right? Where the two arrogant people got together and, and uh, nominated themselves to be the captains to choose the teams, right? You remember that experience, right? Some of you just got the chill, chills and wet yourself a little bit. But um, you remember that kind of experience where where they choose back and forth and back and forth, right? They choose who they want to be on their team, right? So they, they say, hey, I, 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 want, I want Joe to be on my team because he's a little fat, but he can kick the ball, right? Or I want Steve to be on my team because he's got that arm that can throw someone out from the outfield and like leave the imprint of the red rubber ball on their face. I want that guy on my team or I want, you know, Jimmy who's got the prosthetic leg because no one will throw him out out of compassion. So we want him on his, our team, you know. So we, you do that thing back and, and forth. And so you've got this, this whole scenario where you've got some who are chosen for the good team and then those who are rejected and end up being on the team who was forced to choose last. Who was that guy? Anyone? Me. Sweet. That was me. The only one. No, I could kick, but I couldn't do anything else. Um, so you remember that experience. It was either a great time, right? Great time at recess, or you couldn't get to home at class quick enough, right? All right, for those of you who are homeschooled, we'll explain all of this stuff later, right? We'll, we'll let you know what all that's about later. All right, so this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to combine both of those things together, the chosen and the rejected, and we're going to bring those two things together and here's why. Because we follow a chosen and rejected Jesus. We follow a chosen and rejected Savior. If you have been called out of darkness, out of death, into life, into light, then you have actually been called to follow the chosen and rejected Jesus. And in doing so, hear this, in doing so, you're called to be like Him. 
You're called to be chosen and rejected like him. And so this morning we're going to walk through the first 12 verses of chapter 2 and we're going to, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at how that plays out. So here we go. Chapter 2. Um, the passage begins and ends with, with, with responses to having, having been called by God. The first one's internal. It's an internal response, and, and, and at the end of this passage, we see an external response. Let's look at the very first piece. So look at, look at chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1, we see this, that if you have been called, there is an internal response. So here's what it says, verse 1, chapter 2. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So Peter starts right there, and he says, so, so, or, or therefore... Because you have been born again from the Im, from, uh, from an imperishable seed through through the living and abiding Word of God, that's what we went through last week. If that's true, if that's true, then you are a believer, and God has called you. He has caused you to to be born again, to be one of His children. Because of that, because of all of that, put away malice, put away deceit, put away hypocrisy, put away envy, put away slander. There's the internal response, right, to having been called by God to be a follower of Jesus. Part of that response is shoving these things off, shoving off all of those things. There's a response needed. There's an action that that needs to take place. Now, if you look at all of those things, what you're going to see is that Peter is telling us to put away what? Put, put away all of these sins that are against other people. Did you notice that? They're, they're sins against other people. Peter doesn't say, if you have been born again, stop overeating. Although that's, that's true, right? Don't overeat, don't be a glutton. That's not what he says. They're all internal things that you are sinning against other people. Put away malice. Put away the desire to harm others. Put away, put away deceit, lying to others. Put away hypocrisy, holding others to a standard that you're not even following. Put away slander, lying about someone else with intent to damage their reputation. Peter says, you've been called by God to follow Jesus. You've been called by God to be obedient children. You have been caused by God to be born again. Going back to 122, love one another more than you love yourself. Do that by putting away these things. Shove them off. The kind of language he's using here is the same kind of language we would use uh, of putting away our laundry. Um, you've got clothes and you've washed them and you fold them. Although I was introduced by a family in the church to not folding clothing. It's a great, that's a great idea, by the way. Um, I won't point them out. You, just don't fold it. It's going to get worn or whatever anyway. But it's that same idea that you put it away, you, you fold it, you sort it, you put Put it away. Kids, don't, don't nod to that, by the way. So if you're looking for reasons not to fold your laundry, fold your laundry, right? Um, it's that same language. You, you're then putting it away. You're putting it aside. You're putting it out of the way, a proper place. So that, that part of the internal response that we have as, as being children is to put aside the things that cause us not to love each other. That's how Peter starts. You've been caused to be a follower of Jesus. Now put these things aside that cause you to stop loving others. Now there's another response. Look at verse 2. Verse 2. He says, Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if needed, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now there's the positive internal response, and that is to long for pure spiritual milk. As if, 
as if you were a newborn infant, long for pure spiritual milk. Now, some of you know what that looks like because you've had children, right? You've had children and you know um, what that looks like. We are, we are in the midst of that right now as a family. Our youngest one is, I don't know how old, a couple weeks old, t- t- uh, eight, Kirsten, eight weeks old. Eight weeks old, we'll say. Uh, he was born a while ago. And, and so we're working through that right now. Um, and, and his world is about eating. That's all his world is about. So there, there's sleeping involved, right? I, I get that. There's sleeping involved. And there's doing the opposite of eating involved, right? Um, and, and, but his clock, his, his schedule is ruled by eating, He's, he sleeps because he is well-fed. He wakes up because he's hungry. He gets rid of food because he needs to make room for more. Right? His whole world, he cries because he needs to be fed. Everything about his schedule and his life revolve around the necessity to have food. It's a sweet life, right? I mean, that, that's a great life. You sleep some, and then you eat some. And Peter says, this is what we should be like if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If indeed you have been called by God to be a follower of Jesus because of Jesus, you will long, long for the pure spiritual milk And we have every reason to believe that Peter is looking back at what he said in in chapter 1 about the Word of God. He's talking about the Word of God. We are longing for the Word of God. And so we pick right up right there. We can't rest without it. We, We can't do anything without it. Our lives and our schedules revolve around knowing Jesus through the Word. Now, it's application time. You read it? You knew this was coming, right? Is that where you are? Is that where you are? Does your life feel empty and always wanting without, without seeing Jesus in the Word? Do, do you wake up in the morning hungry, not for bacon only, but, but for knowing Jesus in the Word? Is that how you would describe your day? As you think about your day, your day revolves around that. And you begin to say things like, I don't care about missing my favorite TV show because I want to be with Jesus. I I don't care if, if my grades slip in school a little bit because right now I need to be with Jesus and, and read of Him in the Word. I, I don't care whose relationship is complicated on Facebook. Because right now I want to be with Jesus, reading the Word and seeing Jesus. Now here's what you're all saying. You're saying, but Vince, um, that's over the top. That's way over the top. Knowing Jesus from reading the Word is a discipline in my day. Like I've chosen to have that discipline in my day. And that's something that that I've done. I've disciplined my myself to 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 read the word and and to try to know jesus through the word and here's my response to that based on what peter tells us here come over tonight at 2 30 in the morning and tell uzziah that tell our son at 2 30 in the morning listen pal you got to be disciplined 
you've you got to just sort this out, and you've got you've to find time for this, right? Um, I, I get it, you're a little bit hungry, but just, just discipline yourself, and when Kirsten gets around to feeding you, she'll do it, right? You, you just don't understand what's going on here. You seem to be acting like a baby. T- tell our son that. And so Peter says, if indeed you have actually tasted, if you've actually seen, if you've actually realized and experienced that Jesus is good, you will long for spiritual sustenance in the Word. Are you there? I'm not. I, I confess, that that's not where I am. Now, let, let, let's move to the different side. And I don't say this to, to bring in any sort of manipulation, but I would think that it's appropriate to also ask the question of the opposite. If you don't long to know Jesus in the Word, have you actually tasted that He is good? If you don't long to, to see Jesus in the Word, have you actually been born again? And I'm not, I'm not saying those things. to to put doubt in your mind about whether or not you've been saved by God. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I am trying to do, though, is put doubt in our minds about who our dependence is on. I think we need that. I think we need to be asking ourselves those questions um, so that we know where our commitment and our dependence is. There may be some of you here today that if asked, you might say, yeah, me, me and Jesus are tight. And there may be some of you who need to think again. Because that may not actually be the case. Um, If you've tasted that Jesus is good, then your life will show it. Your life will show it by your longings to be near Him and to be fed by Him. And I think there are some of us who need to be fed by Jesus, who need to hunger after and be fed by Jesus in the Word. And a lot of us are starving because we're on junk. We are starving ourselves because we're feeding on junk. Whatever that is for you, you name it. Now, why should we be drawn to Jesus? Why should we be fed by Jesus? Let, let's, let's look at the next section starting in verse 4. Look at that, verse 4. Why should we be drawn to Jesus? Peter assumes it. As you come to Him, so he, he's not assuming you're, you're running away. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture. Behold, I'm laying a stone uh, uh, in Zion, a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame, from Isaiah. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. From, from the book of Psalms. And then he goes on, verse 8, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Back to Isaiah. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Why, why be drawn to Jesus? Why be fed by Jesus? I think Peter tells us that right here because Jesus is the chosen and rejected son. Peter says that Jesus is the living stone. You see, in this day, there were, there were large buildings, and the way that they did this is that they would grab a giant stone to start the building. Everything was positioned around that stone, and Peter's saying, that is Jesus. Some of those stones, though, however, were rejected. 
They were tossed aside and seen as not fit for this building. Some of them were accepted to, to be that. And, and so Peter uses this metaphor to point us to Jesus. And here's the beautiful thing about this. When you start reading about these stones, you're like, why is he, why is he talking about stones here? And then he brings in these, these, these different quotes from the Old Testament prophets that are pointing to Jesus. Pointing all the way to Jesus. A life-giving stone. Right, when you hear living stone, you're like, that, no, that doesn't work. I, I know that a stone is inert and it's not living. Peter says he's a living stone, not dead, offering life. And we're told that he's been rejected. He's been rejected by men. He's been set aside as unworthy by many, many people. We get that, right? We understand that that's the case. If you, if you know the Bible at all or have heard the stories at all, you know that Jesus was rejected by men. J- just speaking of his earthly life, let's go there, right? It, right after he was born, he had a king trying to kill him. That's, that's rejection, right? Who's, who's had a king after them? That's rejection, right? All the way through his life, some of his best friends near the end of his life turning from him, rejecting him, right? All the way up to the crucifixion where, where people are rejecting him and killing him. Who rejected Jesus, the living stone? Men, women, those who are, who are not caused by God to be born again. But we're told that in the sight of God, Jesus is the flip side of that. In the sight of God, Jesus is chosen and precious. Jesus is the chosen and rejected one. It seems to be a dichotomy there. Rejected by men, chosen by God. Why in the world should we be drawn to him? Why should we be fed by Jesus? Because in God's sight, he is the chosen one. He is the precious one. Do you remember what do you remember what God said of his son when he was baptized in the river by John? A voice from heaven is heard and it says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Men and women for centuries have rejected Jesus and they will forever. But the God of the universe sees him as chosen and precious. Why be fed by Jesus? Because the God of the universe sees him as precious, the chosen one. Now throughout this series, we're looking at the fact that God has called us and and because he's called us, he is calling us also to obey. And here's what boggles my mind. In verse five, Peter says, you're like Jesus. You, you are like the living stone. Each one of you being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, all for the purpose of offering spiritual sacrifices. The only reason they're acceptable is because, uh, to our Father is because of His Son. Does that, does that boggle your mind? We, we've just talked about the fact that the God of the universe who spoke who spoke those mountains into existence over there. Do you get that? Who, who, who makes the grass begin to turn green. The God of the universe has said, my son is chosen and precious. And, and he's also put into his perfect plan using each of us, building us up as living stones. The same wording that is used uh, of Jesus. We're all stacked up together on top of one another as living stones. All of that so that what? We would worship Him. 
In the Old Testament, before Christ, the priest had to offer sacrifices day after day after day after day to present an offering that was acceptable to God. And now, after Jesus' death uh, on the cross, the sacrifice of his own life, right? we are now able to offer spiritual sacrifices. Paul tells us, we've read this before, but Paul tells us in Romans 12 that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. We're offering ourselves as worship to God. We no longer have to have the physical sacrifices of bloody animals. Now our lives and our praise of Jesus is the sacrifice that we offer. And we live that out daily. Now some have rejected, some have believed, and some have fixed their eyes on the precious and chosen Jesus. And so Peter gives us these quotes, Isaiah 28, Psalm 118, Isaiah 8, and he solidifies that point going back and forth. Some believe, some, some have honored God, some reject Jesus, and, and they disobey the word. And Peter tells us at the end of verse 8, we can get into this at some point, let's get, let's get together for coffee. But Peter tells us at, at the end of verse 8 that there are some who stumble or reject Jesus as they disobey the word. Some stumble and reject Jesus, disobeying the word. All of that is under God's sovereignty. That is all a part of his plan. Right? Many of you have heard the story of Judas, a friend of Jesus, one of his disciples. Here's a man who, who looked like he was a chosen follower of Jesus, but what did he do? He rejected Jesus. He chose to reject Jesus. Was he destined to do that? We could sit here with silence for a long time, huh? Was he destined to do that? Yeah, he was. When Jesus had his last meal with the disciples, he knew that was going to happen. It was not outside of his understanding. It was not outside of the understanding of God. Judas was destined and chose to reject Jesus. He was destined for disobedience. Now, if we believe as a group of people that, that God has caused some to be born again, which if you've been with us, we've seen that over and over in First Peter. God has caused some to be born again. Then, then by, by kind of logic, we, we then understand that some who, because of their unbelief and their disobedience, get that part, are caused by God not to be born again. Now, hear this. We all deserve what? Welcome to the town church. I want you to know this very well. We all deserve what? Death. Right? I try to tell our boys that all the time. <laughs> I love you guys, but you deserve death. Um, and I don't act on that. All right? I don't act on that. But um, we, we try to communicate these things often, that that's what we deserve. We deserve death and damnation forever. Can, can we all agree on that, right? All right, let, let's just, just nod together. There is no one who is righteous. That's in the Bible. All of us are deserving of death. In great mercy, God has caused some to believe, some to be born again, some to escape eternal death. Others, as Peter said, have have stumbled, not believed, and rejected. And they will receive what we all deserve. They will receive what we all deserve because they have been destined to choose disobedience all of that 
under God's hand of sovereignty. I don't, I don't get how that works out. I, I, I'm not going to sit, sit down and work out all of those details with you. I, it boggles my mind. But it is all under God's sovereign hand and powerful hand. Nothing's outside of that. We, we may not ever understand how he sovereignly orchestrates everything, but all of that is under his powerful hand. All of that is, is because of his mercy to an undeserving people who, who receive mercy. I think we see it in verse 9. Look there. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. For Peter, he, he turns this and he sees this now as the church. All Christians, not just the Jews. We're not just talking to the Jews anymore. To those whom God shows mercy, they are a chosen race, a chosen group of people. We have been called a royal priesthood. We have been called collectively a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. As Jesus followers, we were once rejected, but now we are a chosen people. And, and, and I want us to answer this. What did we do to seal that deal? Nothing. We did nothing there. God's hand of sovereign power is over all of this passage of Scripture. If you're a believer, He has actually called you to these things. He has, he has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. He did that. He did that. You didn't. You, you didn't and you couldn't move yourself from darkness to light. Throughout Scripture, we, we see clearly that salvation is of nothing that we've done or, or can accomplish. And I think that's why it's beautiful that, that Jesus and other writers in the New Testament give that sort of picture, and Peter as well, of being born again. Show of hands, who chose to be born? Okay, good. No one, right? You don't choose to be born again. That is something that happens to you. In the same way, if you are born again, that is something that is caused by God. If God has caused you to be saved, this is, this is what He's claiming over you. Verses 9 and 10. He's claiming this over you. He's proclaiming the truth of these things over you. You are chosen. You are part of a royal people under the king you are part of a holy nation you are part of god's own possession purchased by the imperishable precious blood of jesus if god has caused you to be born again this is you here we go are you ready peter says all of that happened why so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness to light that is the reason that God has done that in your life. The, the primary reason God has done these things is so that you would scream of His greatness. He didn't do that so that you could walk around arrogantly and say, look, I'm a chosen one. He did that so that you could point to Jesus. There are those who are rejecting Jesus, and, and we need to know that the only reason we have not 
done those very things is because God has caused us to believe. God has caused us to be saved to Jesus, to a living hope, to, to a living stone, to an imperishable inheritance. God caused that so that we would live the rest of our lives screaming of His excellence. we would live the rest of our lives offering up spiritual sacrifices of worship. God caused that so that we would proclaim His excellencies. So here's my question for us all, myself included. Would anyone, would anyone, even those who know you well, would anyone who's known you, known that you have been called out of darkness and into light, Would they know that because you are proclaiming the excellencies of God? So picture that. Who who are the people who know you well? Do they look at your life and say, they know God. I know it because they are screaming of His excellencies. Shouldn't that be just flowing from us? Right? We, We know each other somewhat, right? We know that some of us like ice cream. Right? We get it. We, we know that some of us really like this political party or this political party, right? And we know that some of us like Nicolas Cage movies. No? No one. All right. Uh, anyway, you get where I'm going there, right? Um, y- we know each other well, and we know what things we, we, we like, right? We, we see that over and, and, and over again in the people that we know well. But here's the question. Would they know that you have been grabbed by the back of your neck out of darkness and into light by the precious blood of Jesus because you're screaming of his excellencies? That's convicting to me. I don't want to answer this for you, but I want want that to sit. I want that to sit with you so that we can confess. And, and we can ask God for grace to repent of the sin of worshiping something other than the precious and chosen Jesus. Now, let me tell you where my heart goes with passages like this. Let me talk through a problem. Maybe some of you are here too. For those, um, for those who are believers, for those who, who know they've been saved by grace through faith, not of anything that, that we've done, for for, for those, here I think is what the problem is. We rest on the salvation that God has provided. And, and we rest in the truth that God is the one causing salvation. And we rest in that and we huddle ourselves up with people who are also resting in that. And we rarely, if ever, move toward anyone who is not at the time called by God right then, right? And we sit in our huddles and we think, well, here we are, right? We've been called by God. And so let's circle this up and and praise Jesus together. This should be flowing out of us into other people's lives that, that we know. And so we sit back and we say, well, God is the one who changes hearts, right? We know that. God's the one who changes hearts. Vince told us, Peter told us. That's what we hear all the time. God is the one who changes hearts. I'm just going to sit back and watch. And we become isolated and we become insulated people who forget that there is work to be done on the outside of our circle. There is work to be done proclaiming the excellencies of God. And and that, that is not the external response God desires of those who have been called by Him to sit. It's not an external response. Look at verse 11. Send this out. Let's finish. 
He says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And Peter, Peter's just saying, please, guys, please. I am begging you, I'm urging you, I'm urging you as you're passing through this temporary home that we call earth on your way to be with Jesus forever, I'm urging you to abstain, to resist, to walk away from the desires of your flesh because here's the deal, they are waging war against your soul. Because you have been called, there is a response that is external. Walk Away from sin. Walk away from the sinful desires and the passions of your flesh. That's present tense. Do you understand that? So many of us check that box because we raised our hand at camp when we were seven. And we say, well, I believe in Jesus and that's the remedy to my problems. And we make that sort of a past tense, uh, past tense thing and we don't, we don't move forward. And that's not the case here. We still have battles of sin because there is a war waging against our souls. And so we have to respond outwardly, running from sin. Why? Partially because we've seen it already. We, we've been called to obey. We saw that last week. And, and partially because unbelievers, this is, the, this is the kicker, unbelievers are looking in. They are watching our behavior. They are, they are watching our behavior so that, so that they can speak against us. It's unfortunate, I think, that, that so much of what is believed about Christians is actually true because of our behavior. So much of what is believed about us is true because we've made it true about us. And Peter says, no, conduct yourselves in obedience so that when people from the outside see you, they will see your good behavior and praise you. Is that what it says? They're going to see your good behavior and they are going to see what a great person you are. And they're going to have a new attitude about who Christians are now. Right? That's what we are. We are the marketing team, right? No, he says, so that, so that when people see your good behavior, they will turn to God and glorify Him. They will repent and worship God forever. That's the external response that we should have when others look in and see us because we have been called. That's it, right? And Isaiah's already told us, and Peter points to it in verse 8, that Jesus is the stumbling stone, the rock of offense. Not you. Do you get that? Jesus is the one that they should be stumbling over. So let's point them to him. People are watching and they're waiting for us to make the wrong moves so that they can prove us to be hypocrites. And if we have been called out of darkness into light, then we must shine that light. Just like with the song we sang. That we, we must shine that light. Our deeds must point to God. Now let me ask this question. Is that the way we think about our, our jobs? We're going to get up this morning, and I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to work as hard as I can so I can point other people to God. 
Yeah, I might get a paycheck. I don't know. But that's not the point. I'm pointing people to God. You know, I'm going to go grab coffee with this person that I met the other day. And and here's the deal. I'm going to go do that so that I can point their attention and their affection to God. I'm going to, to, to drive down the road. And when I see that little white sign on the side of the road that has the numbers on it and says speed limit under it, I'm actually going to do that so that I can point other people to God. We're going to get into that next week. Come back. Is that what we wake up with? My life is about pointing other people to the worship and honor of God. So that when others look in, they see our good deeds and do not point to you, but point to God. And so we end the passage the same way that we we began, with a charge to live in accordance with what we have been called to. Because of what we have been called We have been called a royal priesthood. We have been called a holy nation. We have been called the children of God. Therefore, we also know now what we have been called to. We have been called to obedience in a life that points to Jesus because we have been called to Jesus. Jesus is rejected and chosen and precious to God. And here's what, this is what blows my mind. If we believe, so are we. We are chosen and rejected. Chosen by God, rejected by men. Who cares? We are chosen by God. Chosen by God and and rejected by men. And and so we follow Jesus. And and what that that ends up happening there is that that it often produces rejection by men. And and we need to know and we need to be encouraged by the fact that in that we are imitating our Savior. Who's rejected by men. And we need to know deeply and know very, very deeply that because of our Savior, we in some ways mirror our Savior. Chosen and precious to God. And so my prayer as we we finish out out today and and for the rest of this week, my prayer is that we would be reminded this week of that very thing. We are chosen by God. We might be rejected by men. And we are mirroring our Savior who is chosen by God, precious, and rejected by men. Called out of darkness we have been. Called into light. By Jesus. And so we want to feed on that. That's my prayer for us. Let's pray this morning. Father, uh, Father, as we, um, as we try to take in all this, there, there's a lot here in these verses. Some of it we breezed by very quickly. But Father, it is your word and it is living and active and it is able to pierce our hearts. And so I pray where I have failed that you would work very, very um, intently in our hearts. We, we know that you do that. And so I'm asking that you through the, through, through the Spirit would work, would work in our hearts to see where we need to grow and change and grow up. That we would know very deeply this week, today, that if we believe, if we are believers, we have been called by God, chosen. We've been called by God, to follow Jesus. Help us to know that deeply and to shrug off the rejection of men 
knowing that we mirror our Savior to some extent in that. Help us to know that. that we need that encouragement. God, for those who are here who, who are not running away from sin, who are not abstaining from sin, but they're actually running toward it, I pray that you would, um, that you would break them, us, me. Help us to turn from that and know that we are, we are called to obedience. Called to obedience, bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus. Help us to know that, we pray. Amen.